Okay, good morning. Uh, wake up. A wake up call. That's been a message that's been clear over the last couple of weeks. What Ginny brought a couple of weeks ago. A sense of a wake up call. What Dan was preaching last week, even bless Anne this morning. The events that are going on. There's this kind of wake up call that's coming to the world, yes, but to the church and to us. I felt stirred uh, as we were reflecting on these things to look at Gideon's story. We're going to step through the story in Judges 6 and 7. But that really interesting time when uh, God's people have gone astray, they've messed up, and God sent the Midianites and allowed the Midianites to kind of completely oppress and take, uh, cause massive problems for the people of Israel. Yet then they call out to God and God raises up Gideon to go. And we might be familiar with the story. He lays down a fleece and uh, uh, to confirm that God's with him. Remember that bit of it? And then he, he takes his army and God says, there's too many men. Whittle them down, whittle them down until there's only 300 men going up against the Midianites. And yet God brings a massive victory. And the Midianites all kind of fight against each other and they're thrown into panic. And God has the victory along with Gideon and his men. It's an interesting and amazing story, but it's a time when God's people, there's this massive wake-up call, an alarm going off. This is not right. Everything's gone wrong. What's going on here? And they cry out to God. I believe as we look at Gideon's story, uh, God wants to speak to us about this wake-up call in terms of our identity, action, and faith. Those are the three things we're going to look at as we step through the story. So first, we're going to start looking at verses, uh, Judges chapter 6, verses 11 to 16. This is God coming to Gideon. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. I believe God's saying to us, wake up and hear what I say of you. God comes to Gideon, the one who is least in his family and their family is the least in their clan. Uh, their clan is the least in Manasseh, a tribe that's not... Uh, not necessarily always seen as the kind of top dogs in, the, in, in Israel. God comes to him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Me? Hang on, sorry, there's someone else here. No? no one there. You mean these guys? You mean these guys? No, Gideon, you. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. In the midst of, see this, Gideon's hiding in a wine press from the Midianites. 
He's threshing wheat in a wine press because the oppression from the Midianites is so much, he can't even go out to the threshing floor to thresh his wheat so that he's got some wheat to, to, to use for cooking. God comes to Gideon where he is and says, this is what I say of you. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God comes to us where we are. He meets us where we are and he says, and he speaks over us what he says of us. You see, do we rule ourselves out? God couldn't use me. Well, certainly not like that. I, I'm not good enough. Or I'm not very important. Or my situation's just too tough. That isn't me. When we see Gideon, the least in his family, his family, the least in his clan, in, and the least in all of Manasseh, hiding in a wine press from the Midianites. Yet God comes to him and says, you're a mighty warrior and God is with you. You see, the Bible is full of us seeing people who seem to do great exploits for God and yet the Bible is clear. It's God who is the one who is strong. If we look at Elijah, for example, we see Elijah, what incredible things uh, he was able to do in God's power. And yet we see, if we look at James chapter 5 and verse 17, what does it say? Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Yes, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. But Elijah was a human being, just as we are. Oh, Elijah must have been superhuman, some kind of amazing person. He was this great prophet, but Elijah was a human being, just like us. If we look through Hebrews chapter 11, all those great heroes of the faith. Abraham and Moses and, and Isaac and Jacob and, and all the way down through. They talks of so many different people. Runs out of time to tell of many. Well, by his extraordinary characteristics and, and amazing superhuman abilities, Abraham, no. By faith, Abraham did such and such. By faith, Enoch walked with God. By faith, Moses' parents hid him. It's by trusting in God. Ordinary people who believed God. And God's calling us, as he did to Gideon, to wake up and know our identity in Christ. Hear and believe what God says of us. What does he say of us? In John chapter 1 and verse 12 to 13, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Genesis 1, 27 tells us we're created in God's image. And 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27 tells us we're the body of Christ. And each of us is a part. God says we're his children. If we're in Christ, we're new creations and we are children of God. You're God's son. God's calling us to wake up and know our identity in Christ. Oh, I could never, I could never do that. I couldn't, I couldn't do this or that or the other. Now hear what God is saying of you. He is with you and he loves you. And how do we see others? You see here, look who God chooses. A very unexpected hero. 
in worldly terms, why, why on earth would you go to the smallest family and the youngest or the least member of this small family of this least clan in, in this particular tribe of Israel? God chooses Gideon. You see, can we recognize when God is doing the unusual, using the unexpected hero, the seemingly unqualified, someone who's different to our expectations? Do we recognize what God's doing or do we just tend to kind of dismiss or squash it? See, it's easy to see people who seem impressive. That, yeah, they're, they're good. That makes sense. And end up overlooking the humble or the faithful or the different. Remember when Samuel went to pick a new king in Israel? Ah, here we are. Jesse's first son. He's tall and strong. He looks like a king. No, no, no. God was choosing David, the youngest, the smallest. Do we understand? God sees our hearts. If we're honest, do we more readily work with people just like us? Or default to those who kind of match what we've kind of we kind of expect or have been conditioned to expect as being a leader or being being the right uh, person to go for that? Do we recognize calling and gifting and good character that doesn't look exactly like we do or like we would expect? I believe God's giving us a wake up call to hear what he says to us and to recognize what he's saying to others. To long to see God make us more and more a people of many nations, many cultures, many languages, people from many, many different backgrounds, many different cultures working together. It was great to hear this week Raj Saha had the opportunity to hear his excitement and joy and, and passion to see a diverse church. Diversity of leaders, diversity of cultures, diversity of, of people being released into all that God has for them. Even hearing bless Anne just earlier on, this sense of the church of every tribe and nation and language. That's what the Bible calls us to. Seeing all of us released into what God has for us. Whether you're an asylum seeker, a single parent, a, a university educated someone who dropped out of school early, really well-educated, really uneducated, really rich, really poor, whatever color your skin, whatever background you have, released into all that God has for you. To see a church with leaders from many nations, cultures, and languages, like we see the church of, in Antioch in Acts uh, chapter 11, we could go there in, in Acts 13. It talks of these different leaders that are clearly from so many different places and backgrounds. It's what we're called to be. We're not there yet, but it's exciting. Let's wake up and see what God says to us, who he calls us to be. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God came to Gideon and told him, this is who you are, his identity. Then he calls him to action in verse 14, chapter 6, verse 14. He calls uh, Gideon to action. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? See, Gideon is stirred to action, ultimately to that which God has called him. But actually we see to other things first. 
Firstly, he's called to worship God. In verse 17, he said, if I found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And he goes off and prepares this offering and he comes and he worships. Worships God. In the midst of this trouble, in the midst, he was hiding in a wine press from the Midianites. In the midst of all of that, worship. And God's calling us to action, to worship him at this time, to come and praise in the pain, in the anguish, in the confusion, in everything. Worship him, draw near to God, keep seeking him, hearing him, asking him, worship and pray. Let's draw near to God and seek him. But secondly, Gideon is called to action to deal with sin. Verse 25, he's called that same night. The Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, and tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it and then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Well, you see, no, well, what we cried out to you, God, was the Midianites are the problem. The Midianites have taken over and they're a nightmare. And isn't that what you want me to do, God? Go and beat the Midianites. God says, no, first, let's deal with you. There's a call to us, will we let God deal with us? Will we do as it says in Hebrews 12? That great encouragement to persevere and to press on. Get these wonderful but challenging words. Therefore, Hebrews 12 verse 1, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. God calls Gideon to action. Tear down that Asherah pole, that altar to Baal. It has no place here. It needs to go that you may worship me, that you may follow me, that we can go and beat the Midianites and deal with that problem. We need to open our eyes to see the situation. Think back to verse 11. Gideon's threshing wheat in a wine press. This isn't right. What's happening here? For us, the current alarm bells can make us recognize there's something wrong here. This isn't right. What's going on? Yeah, even in the midst of it, we can get comfortable in a wrong situation. You could get used to thrashing wheat in a wine press. Well, this is just the way it's got to be now. Gideon's called, no, there's, there's stuff to be sorted out here. Well, I could just carry on thrashing my wheat in a wine press. I don't want to rock the boat. Gideon's called to confront the sin in them, to deal with their own hearts, dealing with sin in our own lives, dealing with sin and, and things that are wrong in and amongst us can be really uncomfortable. In fact, even really unpopular. We can have a real desire to focus on the problem out there, the problems of in politics of Brexit and, and all of that that's still rumbling on, of COVID-19 and the, the pandemic, of, of racism out there in society. But you see, God calls us, like he called Gideon, to deal with our own hearts, to deal with the real problem, to be ruthless and take bold steps in dealing with sin. See, the real problem wasn't the Midianites. 
That's what caused them to cry out to God. But the real bigger problem is sin. And God's dealing with their hearts. God wants to deal with our hearts. We see this in the stories of great revivals. When people are called to pray, God, would you come and meet us? Come and, and, and break out in our nation. And so often they're praying and it's them who are brought to their knees. As God works in his church and cleans us out and sorts us out, then that the world might be blessed. Will we let God deal with us? Will we be ruthless in dealing with sin, with changing things that are wrong? God's calling us to action, to throw off that which hinders and to deal with the sin that so easily entangles. Let's pray. Let's allow God to convict us and to deal with our hearts. Wake up call to action. It starts here. It starts with us. It starts with our hearts. God has more for us. God has a plan for the world. God has a plan to deal with the Midianites. It starts here. Let's deal with the sin in your midst. Because thirdly, God calls Gideon to faith. God has a rescue plan. But Gideon needs to trust him. As we move into chapter 7, we see that amazing story of how uh, towards the end of chapter 6, Gideon has, caught, has blown a trumpet. He's been filled with the Spirit in verse 34 of six, chapter 6. He blows a trumpet, summoning the Abbeyesrites to follow him. Uh, and he sends out messengers to gather people. And remember, we won't touch on it now, but he, he lays down the fleece uh, just to confirm God's with him. But then they move into chapter 7, and this uh, incredible plan. God says, Gideon, you've got too many men. Send away those who are fearful and trembling. And many go home. And then God says, no, no, Gideon, you've still got too many men. Go down to drink and separate them out. Those who drink this way can stay. Those who drink this way, send them home. So he's down to 300 men. It's a strange plan. They're up against this mighty army, this incredibly huge army of Midianites. And God's chosen Gideon, the least of the least. And then he's given him this whittled down army to go up against the Midianites. Surely they've got no chance. What's this all about? This is crazy, surely. But Gideon, the least of the least, and his whittled down army, Gideon plus whittled down army plus mighty faithful God. The Midianites have no chance. See, God had a plan. He knew what he was doing to defeat Midian, to free his people, and with all the glory going to him. You see, is God prompting us now? Is God prompting you personally to do something that looks maybe in worldly eyes a bit foolish or feels a bit scary? Maybe it's just stepping out and sharing a faith. Let's take steps of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit as God prompts us. Maybe there'll be wobbly steps. You see, looking at Gideon is, is quite an encouragement. We see Gideon wasn't fearless, if you like. In, back in chapter 6, God asked him to tear down this Asherah pole. But chapter 6, verse 27, 
Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. And of course, we see Gideon asked God for confirmation. He's asked him for a sign in terms of waiting for him to make the offering back in chapter 6 and verse 17. Well, God's confirmed that. I'm with you. He fills him with his spirit and he blows the trumpet and the men follow him. But then God, just confirm it again. Here's this fleece. If you make it wet and the ground dry, then the next time, if you make it dry and the ground wet, then I'll believe you. Seems to be quite wobbly step. Maybe we're taking wobbly steps, but let's step out in faith and trust God. Recognising God is gracious. You can see God's grace to Gideon, even in, towards the end of the story in chapter 7, verse 8 onwards. Gideon, on the eve of the battle, God says, come and, come and listen to this. We hear even the Midianites talking, they've had, almost had this kind of prophetic vision of what's going to happen. Well, we're going to be destroyed by Gideon and the power of God. Gideon gets to hear this, even on the eve of the battle. What grace that God gives him. But let's take steps of faith, believing God, trusting him. God has a plan right now. God is in control right now. Will we trust him? Whatever it looks like. We trust his answer, his way. It is best. We can't come up with a better plan. You see, Gideon didn't look impressive and neither did his army. It wasn't the expected, tried and tested strategy, but God. Will we trust him in this odd time? Will we trust him as perhaps he encourages us to rip things up and change things around? Will we trust him when the strategy doesn't make sense to us? Will we trust him when it's through a person or people we wouldn't necessarily have picked? Will we trust him when it seems very scary? Let's wake up and trust God afresh. What a God he is. Let's wake up and see God's at work right now, right in the midst of all of this. I'm encouraged. God is at work and he is waking us up. He has more for us. It might be uncomfortable. It might be challenging. It might be really hard. But also this time is exciting and a time for faith and to see God working in and through us as a people. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever your background, God is at work and God can use you.